Get ready for an OBS approach to health and fitness. This is NBS Fitness Radio. All right, welcome back to MBS Fitness Radio. I am here with my friend, Mandy Mullen. Mandy and I met each other at the um, Snow Basin 1 29029 Everstring event a couple of weeks, uh, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. And we did several hikes together. We actually did our 13th final ascent together. Um, and so we got to kind of really bond and learn a little bit more about each other. And then the week afterwards, Mandy ran the Leadville 100, which is a 100 mile ultra endurance uh, event. So she did two of probably like the hardest physical challenges you could do within a two week period. Um, so Mandy, say hi to everybody. Hey, I'm so happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So I'd like to just hear, how did you hear about 29029 and what's, what was your story? How'd you, uh, how'd you get involved with it? Um, awesome question. I remember sharing this with you guys on the mountain and it was really fun to hear, everyone's story and what brought people to that event. Um, it's always just kind of crazy how worlds collide and you meet people and you, you show up to these endurance events. And, um, yeah, so I, I love this part of the story because it, it kind of just shows the community and, um, the growth that this event has had over since I heard about it. And so I actually was climbing the Manitou Springs incline in Colorado Springs in 2017 or 2018. I still haven't, I can't remember what year it was, but years ago. And it was right when I'd started uh, my own women's running group. And I was uh, training a group of women to go and run this thing called the Wild West Relay. And the relay is a cross state relay from Fort Collins to Steamboat Springs. It's about a 200 mile race and it requires a lot of mountain climbing. So we were climbing this incline as just a training event, training hike. Um, and we got to the top and met a group of guys who had climbed, I think two or three times in one day. And we were, you know, picking their brains about why are you doing this crazy thing? Not once, but twice today. And it turned out that it was Jesse Itzler and it was the first time <laughs> I met Jesse and really probably the first time I'd ever heard of Jesse and the, this group of guys just had this energy about them that was contagious. And, you know, it's, it's just fun to meet other people and talk just like we did, you know, on, on a hike. And yeah. anyway, Jesse found out that we loved running and events. And he said, Oh man, you should come and do this race. I put on, we just started it. It's called 29 or 29. And he described what it was. And I was like, I'm all in, you know, I'm a race director myself. And we kind of bonded over that a little bit. And we said, absolutely. We're going to go and sign up. We'll see you next year. And we ran, I'm really running down the backside of the trail, you know, with all of these guys, Jesse and his buddies and got to the bottom, looked up 29029, definitely realized it wasn't in the books for us to make that happen that year. Um, but I put it on my bucket list and yeah. was really inspired and thought, man, I want to do this one day. This seems like such a cool event. And, you know, I was coming into my own as an endurance athlete at the time. And I was just really inspired and very intimidated by an event like that. But I knew if I ever made it to that event, I would meet some really incredible athletes and people who had a, a love for life that I was seeking and finding through endurance. And, yeah, I told my husband about it and he's like, you got to do that one day. Like, yes, it's, you know, it's an investment, but yeah. you need to save up for it and make it happen. And I, it's just been on my mind and every year registration comes and goes. And 
finally this year, I had, you know, done what I needed to do to, to save for this adventure. And I knew I was going to make time in my life to make it happen, which is hard. I've got two little kids and, you know, I own a couple, I own a few businesses and um, have a nonprofit, but registration happened to open for this event um, the same week that my business partner and I were acquiring that same relay race that I was training for when I heard about it. And that really just felt like the stars were aligning. The, the universe was talking to me. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, I signed up. I went by myself, which was very unlike me. I'm a very social person. As you know, David, it wasn't hard for us all out there to make friends with one another, but it was, <laughs> it was a little still intimidating yeah. to get on an airplane by myself and go to this event where I, I knew no one, but I came out of there with some lifelong friends, I think. Yeah, 100%. That's uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. I, you might have told Ellen the Mountain, and I might have just been, you know, in a daze and not heard it, but I didn't know, like, you just ran into Jesse on a random hill. <laughs> yeah, it was great. And it was just, it was just as everyone knows Jesse, you know, like in a torn up t shirt, very yeah. humble, um, you know, told us all of his, his business ventures and what he'd done. And I just was inspired. And um, after that, I did Jesse's um, 30 days of excellence group yeah. during COVID. Um, like you, I was a gym owner through COVID and I just continued to follow him, but I needed another group and just inspiration to kind of light the fire and keep yeah. me motivated going. And so I've followed the, their group closely and um, so fun to see it grown to what it is today. I know that in those early years, it was a bit of a, a different experience as any yeah. event is. And, uh, yeah, when I, when I signed up, I sent Jesse an email and I said, you know, I signed up for 29 on 29. It's been like seven years on my <laughs> list of going. And, you know, I shared with him, I also bought that relay race and I'd love for you to come and run it. So if Jesse, you happen to listen to this, we are hoping that your, your guys choose the wild west relay as a upcoming adventure. Love it. So what was your 29029 experience? Um, can I just share with people what, what you felt and what your experience was like? It was unlike anything I've ever experienced and something I'll never forget. I didn't know what to expect. I was even going into it. I was very confused about what is this? I don't understand why, why are we going uphill, but we can't run downhill. You know, the gondola thing was very, I didn't know what to expect. Is that going to make it easier or harder? I knew it was going to be a challenge, but I'm a runner. I don't yeah. hike unless, you know, I'm, you know, obviously when you're running things like the Leadville 100, you do have times where you're power hiking up, but the yeah. concept, not running at all, but staying awake and hiking through 36 hours, but also taking breaks to maybe rest and get sucked into a massage room. <laughs> and what to expect. Um, even, even that day that we left, I told Mark, I can't put my finger on this quite yet. I need to decompress for a couple of weeks and figure out, you know, my experience. And so yeah. now looking back, I, I kind of had my head wrapped around it. It, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, mostly because of the repetitiveness yeah. and the mental fortitude it took to go for another climb, especially when you had the option. Yeah every hour and a half after the climb was done and you, you descended down on the gondola, you had the option to stop yeah, and to lay in the grass or go inside and get a smoothie that we're all still craving. Right. <laughs> yeah. I called those, uh, I called those coffins. I was like, there's just like, when I describe it to people, I say, there's just so many opportunities for you to just go and just die. Like to just sit down and take a 
what you think is going to be a 10 minute break and it turned into like a two hour nap. Yeah. And it's similar to what I would experience at an aid station at Leadville 100, for example, yeah. you get sucked into the chair, although the chairs at Leadville most of the time are like a rock in the sand. It's not as comfy and bougie as yeah. going in and having a massage or putting yeah. on the impressions. And I think what was most magical and that I did not expect at all was all of the different people that were there, all yeah. walks of life, all fitness levels. I did not know to expect that. Um, that was a nice treat, but also made it extra challenging because I really thought everyone that attended was going to do 13 ascents and we were all going to do this together. And what you and I experienced out there is that 13 was our Everest, but yeah. it wasn't anyone else's Everest. For some people, two hikes was their Everest and four hikes was their Everest. And so that was another, as you'll say, coffin, because you're watching people be all done at two and three and four. And that kind of draws you in, right? Because you're like, oh, well, maybe, maybe this is my, it. like, I'm exhausted. This I'm tired of seeing the same rock, the same bottle cap, the same <laughs> hair tie, you know, yeah. all these things. And so you're tempted, like, maybe that's mine, but then it also motivates you because you see these people and you know that they really have given it their all. And it makes you dig deep and think, okay, but I've got more to give, Yeah, that- to give. Not, not just for me, but for them, right? Yeah. Like we're all honoring our own version of hard. And that was motivating to keep going. That like, that completely blew my mind being, being in the fitness industry. And, um, and we, we see people come in give it their best on a regular basis. We all see people, see people who come in and just make excuses or quit on themselves. Um, and so, I think that was, that was the most, it, it was a, for me, it, it was like a concentrated dose of seeing so many people give their absolute most that it kind of redefined in my head, like expectations and what's possible for people if they're motivated. Cause like to watch someone do 13, a sense Taylor at the very end, yeah. like to watch someone who like just started working out like a couple months ago. Yeah. That was so hard for me, us who work out every day. Like, Oh, absolutely. To watch someone who just are working out and have done for us over years, but to watch someone who just started working out a couple of uh, months ago, literally do the exact same thing as I did just blew my mind. Yeah. And not much difference in time. No, no. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's the yeah. thing. It's like, I did it four hours later. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And yeah. And I think another special part about that too, is, I mean, Sean, for example, um, the gentleman that I met the first day I got there, he got to share his story with me and why he was there. And he said, he just wanted to live life to the fullest. He yeah. is um, a veteran who served overseas, has had a hard time. Same thing, just barely entering kind of his his fitness journey. And I don't know if it's the first time in his life, but he, you know, was taking care of himself. And he just said, I just want to do something hard on my birthday. And he crossed yeah. that line, you know, in tears with all of us, um, on his birthday. And I think another magical part about that too, that I didn't expect was I was thinking we're going to go out and run kind of mostly be by yourself. I'm thinking it's more like an ultra ultra race that I'm used yeah. to doing. You get to talk to people a little bit, but 
the power of being able to group together and hike in groups and learn people's stories. You had, you had nothing to do, but time to talk. And yes, we're out of breath sometimes, but you're able to kind of go slow enough to learn about people and hear their stories and their background. And the other magical part too, is that every hike was different. I maybe one kind of by myself, but every other hike you were for the most part surrounded by different people. And sometimes, you know, we all shared several hikes with the same people, but you had a new opportunity to do better on that hike, to have another conversation, to learn something new, to motivate. Um, that was, that was also really surprising. What, um, for you, like, where were your, where were your high moments and your low moments on the mountain? Um, I think my high moments were really getting to the top with, with the community each time. I mean, every time we got close to the top and it wasn't about me getting to the top, it was watching everyone else and know we're all going to do this again. Um, or if we're not, that was that person's they're done and they gave it their all and they're, they're, they've grown through this and it the relationships and even thinking back through like the first moment I met Jaden and how very, you know, hi, how are you? My name is this, what's your name? You know, to, to then go to the last hike where we're talking about flying to go support each other at these events and helping him with his, his race. I think it was just the growth, just feeling like I've really changed a lot in these 36 hours. And we all have, um, I think those were the highs. I'd say the lows, probably the middle of the night being exhausted and knowing I could. Um, But the weekend before I race directed the Wild West Relay. And so I was awake for really all the weekend before that Friday night was same sleep deprivation that we're now experiencing on the mountain seven days later where I sleep because I was out, you know, race directing and, um, getting little cat naps here and there. And I just was exhausted. And the low was definitely I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. And in that moment, I remember when I decided to call it a quits for a couple hours and actually go get some sleep at around 2 AM. Um, I remember hiking and I was mostly by myself and it's dark and the stars are out and I was having a hard time. I was tired. I just wanted to sleep. I knew I could feel so many people are back there sleeping, right? You know, what's happening because the mountain's not covered in people. There are, there are some intense. And I thought I'm going through my reasons. Why, why am I here? What, what the hell am I doing this? I'm away from my kids. I'm away from my family. I'm tired. I have Leadville 100 next weekend. I'm destroying my body. Um, so I'm going through like, here are the good things. And I, one of the, one of the things that came across my mind was, but I've met so many cool people Yeah. and they're my reason why I'm right here because I've made these new experiences and hopefully impacted somebody and they've impacted me. And then my mama, my mama guilt mind said, but your kids are cool people too. And you should be with your kids right now. You haven't seen your kids last weekend. You're not with them this weekend. You won't see them much next weekend. And I went spiraling down the the mom guilt. And that's when I said, okay, Mandy, you're tired. You got to go to bed. Um, So I would say that was a pretty big low. I mean, I started shaming myself for, for pouring into the experience. Yeah. What was your takeaways? Like when you, uh, once you had, well, let me ask you this before we get to takeaways. What was kind of the emotion you felt on lap 13 
and then the following day on Sunday and Monday, like what was it like for you coming out of that experience? Final hike was, I was just excited. Um, I remember the whole time we kept saying, you know, we only have 12 hikes, the 13th yeah. was three. Yeah. And I, I felt like that felt like I, I am so tired, but man, we are doing this and just proud of everyone out there proud to have been able to encourage others who have never done an endurance event like that before and humbled greatly because I think I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. And yeah. the things that were hard about it, I didn't expect. And I yeah. went into it feeling like I'm an endurance athlete. I'm running the level 100 next weekend. This will be a piece of cake. And I was like, man, I am, <laughs> I am humbled. This mountain has kicked my butt. And I marked that as I, as we looked there that night, I looked up at the mountain. I was like, I have so much respect for that. And I don't know what that is yet or why that, that trail is, has such a special place in my heart yet. But I, I just was humbled, I think, and grateful. Yeah. Um, I remember being at the finish line and being able to cheer for everyone else that, that was completing their ascents. And in that moment, I would say it turned to just gratitude for, being surrounded by people who are seeking something deeper and powerful experiences and giving that time to not just themselves, but to each other and, you know, being open and vulnerable to meeting new friends and watching, letting people watch you struggle. Yeah. Really hard thing to do. That was, um, like one of my, one of my takeaways was like, and the importance of getting vulnerable with people so that you can actually build deep connections. And that, that situation just kind of forces you to make it happen. Like I remember at the night hikes, we were all just kind of just like, this sucks. <laughs> all of our stomachs were, 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 were messed up. We were just so tired. You know, you've been on the mountain forever. And, um, and it just kind of forced a vulnerability and to the sense where, you're like, I, I just kind of need these other people and it, that fast track connection, like it fast tracked community, uh, at a rate that like you just would never experience in normal life, yeah. normal life. You kind of just do the kind of, um, small talk. I mean, it takes a long time to really find a kind of like open up to someone. Um, whereas when you're already at your, uh, uh, at your, most physically exhausted like you don't have any choice like i am i am vulnerable and i am tired and i am emotional and like i'm and i'm just thankful you guys are here so like you build that connection uh, very quickly and then yeah the like after we finished our 13th and just being up there watching just person after person i was like it was like i was like that's like three hours of like it's just like three hours of like a, a the most emotional like story and completion and like just over and over again. It's just like every fifteen minutes is like a new thing. You're like oh my gosh, this is just it was awesome. Here's you know, Kleenex. here's the Kleenex. Uh, yeah, it yeah, was... and I I think um just that that vulnerability piece that you talked about and getting people to open up it it also helps just to normalize that. Like we like you said, we walk through our lives so guarded. And I mean, I, I do a lot of work in the mental, emotional, behavioral health world too. I don't know if I share that with you. I'm, I'm on the board with our uh, a local behavioral health agency here. 
And I think it's so important for us, especially the industry leaders in fitness to make that connection of normalizing communication and sharing your feelings and being vulnerable and how much that can help and how therapeutic that is um, in preventing, you know, um, mental health crises and suicide rates. And I think just grateful that day. I mean, even as we were at the top of the mountain, I thought I'm just so grateful for the owners of 29 or 29 for putting this on because some, someone's life was probably saved out on this mountain today. Um, more, more than one. I mean, obviously we were all very, very deeply impacted. It'll be something that has changed all of us forever, but think about how many people needed that or needed something they got from that. And it saved their life and think about the ripple effect. And I think that was just the like we need more of this we need more good we need more of these humanizing experiences yeah it was um it was like the best of humanity like crammed into a 36 hour period <laughs> which all right so now that's a good segue because for me coming back home was hard like i was in some i was in the blues on like London. i never done an endurance race and as i talked to people they're like oh yeah like this is like what we all experienced i was like I'm not used to this. I'm used to like powerlifting meets where like you just go out and eat food afterwards. But uh, what was like the emo? Like what was your emotional and physical state, kind of mental and mental state, kind of coming out of the event? You know, at first I was on on a really big high. Um, even when I left you guys at the airport, I talked to my business partner and I was like, I have so many ideas. I have been motivated. I have been filled with, you know growth opportunities, ideas, and really felt like I was with some masterminds in not only endurance events and getting through hard things together, but like the business world. And I felt just motivated and then getting home. It was that same thing that I experience every time I come home from an ultra event where your mind is still in the, on the mountain, you've left your soul up there for a little bit. Your feet are still there. You're still wondering what you should eat next. You're still wondering when you should take a rest, you know, you're still fighting all those battles, but all of a sudden you're at a stoplight back home and you're answering emails and you're parenting or, you know, dealing with relationships or whatever it might be. And it's just like, man, this is hard because (laughs) some of these things seem trivial and you just kind of want to scream at people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they're honking the horn at the stoplight and you're like, man, just calm down. Yeah. Two minutes ago, we were getting through something that was really hard. You, you know, being behind a slow car, not the hardest thing. And I get it. You know, it is, yes, frustrating. Maybe you're late for an appointment, but it's trying to come back to reality is always for me the most depressing part because you kind of just want to go back to the simple life where you were on the mountain and the hardest thing was making eating decisions or taking one more step and getting through it or dealing with the blisters or whatever it might be. Um, So, yeah, I went through my, my hard I was really exhausted, um, but I didn't have a lot of time to come down because I was home for two days and then I had to hitch up my camper and head to Leadville (laughs) and acclimate at altitude and get ready for my race. Um, So take me through your decision-making process when you were like, hey, 29029, hey, Leadville, those are a weekend apart. That sounds like a great time. So, yeah, I mean, uh, so Leadville, I've been registered for, I had been registered for Leadville since 
over a year before um, ah. you qualify and then register for the following year. So Leadville, I knew was always on mm. that weekend. When Sean and I decided to take over the Wild West Relay, that's that relay has been happening for 20 years. Can't move the date. I yep. knew I knew that that was the first weekend in August. And so right off the bat, I mean, my husband and I were like, okay, this is going to be a really chaotic month. Our kids started school also in, in that month. And so why did you choose snow basin? So I had originally earlier on in the year, looked at the calendar. We said, yes, I'm going to do Everesting this year. Feels like the year to do it. Taking over the relays. I'm, I really need to elevate myself. Um, this is one of those events that I'm picking for myself this year. I picked one of the other events and I can't even remember what, what it was. It might've been the one in Canada. Whistler. Okay. It might've been Whistler different month, not conflicting with my life at all, which is already. And I am actually when registration opened, I was in a networking event and I remembered it was opening at 8am and one of my friends, I think actually it was Sean my business partner texts me. He's like, it's open register. And I was like, Oh, it's fine. I'm in my team's group. I'll register when I get out of here in 30 minutes, <laughs> yeah. my meeting, go to register. And it was booked. And I was like, dang it. <laughs> okay. Guess it, guess it's not meant to be. I'm not going. So I joined the wait list mm. and maybe a month later, um, Nick and actually Nick and I were on vacation and I was having a margarita and I think he'd had a beer or two and feeling like happy and life is good and easy. And I got an email from 2929 saying that since you're on the wait list, we've opened up snow basin. Here's yeah. the date. And I told Nick, Oh my gosh, I could get in like right now. Like we're sitting here. I've got my card ready. I could do this, but here's the date. And he's like, okay, you should do it. And I'm like, really? Cause it's the weekend after wild West and it's, <laughs> You know, it's in between Wild West and Leadville 100. Yeah. Um, and also, I don't know if I shared this with you. My husband's in the military. He's in the he's full time active duty through the Colorado Air National Guard. His two week AFT annual field training, where they work nonstop for two weeks, also falls in these three weeks. Oh gosh! <laughs> Not only am I going to sign up for this, but he has to be working all day and yeah. all. And now we've got to find someone to take care of our kids. Um, but I mean, I got his blessing, and we were like, sure, let's do it. Um, I will tell you leapfrog and I'll tell you my experience of level after, but since then my friends and family have very kindly, politely encouraged that next year there's <laughs> nothing in between wild West and Leadville. Um, yeah, it yeah. pretty much was a interesting decision and I don't regret it. I'm yeah. not, no regrets, but it, it might not have been the wisest choice for my, it body. was, it, it, you know, it's <laughs> stretched you and probably your network to their max. <laughs> Absolutely. And my kids. Um, yeah. yeah, that's kind of how it came about. And it just was like, it goes back to making excuses. I could have let it, let it slip through the cracks, yeah. but I might have lived with some regret if I didn't just see what it was like to really live life of endurance in August of 2023. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like endurance in every sense of the word. Yes, absolutely. All right. So you pack up and go to Leadville and kind of just give people the description of what Leadville is. <sighs> I love Leadville. Okay. So Leadville, if you're not familiar, um, it's a town in Colorado and the base elevation of Leadville is almost 11,000 feet. It's like 10, nine or something like that. Yeah. Um, so it's very high up there. I live at probably five or 6,000 feet in Colorado. So 
I'm in Colorado, but not high up as, as Leadville. Um, stumbled upon Leadville years ago, ran like the heavy half marathon, but fell in love with the community. It's a very small mining community. Um, and running and endurance events came out of Leadville in the 60s, I believe is when they started this. Um, the mining industry crashed and the two race founders, um, Ken Klobers, um, was working in the mines and he got laid off and as did everyone else. And so he kind of gathered with the community and thought, we have to find industry. We have to find some way to save our town. It's beautiful here. We have mountains. What can we do? So they came up with the idea of a hundred mile running race and a hundred mile bike ride. And so really just in an effort to bring tourism, bring people to Leadville and it's worked. Um, the Leadville 100 is one of the most iconic and challenging ultra marathons in the country because it starts high and you stay high and you climb even higher. Um, so Leadville has a special place in my heart. It's a cute, beautiful mountain town. It drives a ton of tourism during, during the race. Um, it's my piece. Um, it's definitely a totally different endurance event from what we experienced at 29. You're getting lost. You're out in the wilderness. Um, yes, a lot of people, but just a, a completely different experience. Um, so it's my, first, had you done it before or was this your first time? Um, it's my, it was my second time. I did it last year okay. for the first time with my husband actually kind of on our anniversary. Okay. And the year before I actually paced Sean, my business partner. And that was my okay. first piece of the, the full, the hundred. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this one day. How do you uh, qualify for it? Um, they have a lottery process that's pretty hard to get into. Um, so some people get in that way, but the easiest way in the way I've qualified each time is by running one of their qualifying races. So mm-hmm. there's the little marathon um, in June and then a 50 mile race in July. And when you finish top in your age group, you get awarded coins. Um, I've never finished top three, but um, up high enough a couple of times that the coin has rolled down to me if someone doesn't want to run the level 100, but they took first at the 50 mile race, those coins kind of passed down and okay. they have kind of more unique, like way to get, get the coins out, but you have to run one of those races. Gotcha. Okay. The coin is essentially like, is your acceptance into the hundred miler or it's just a still, it just puts you into the lottery. It's your acceptance in. Okay. Got it. Okay. Awesome. Very cool. Yeah, okay. So, so not a lot of people get in, um, but yeah, how many people run it? This year we had about 800 start and only 300 finish. 800. It usually has about a 40% finish rate. This year was even lower. Well, I guess that was still about 40%, but it was a grueling year. It was very hot this year. We had a lot of dropouts. Um, do they stagger start or is it like everyone at once? Everyone goes at once. Wow. Okay. What, um, how did your body feel going into that? Well, let me ask you this. How did you train for both of those events? Like, what was your training like building up to that? So my peak training was the 50 mile, the silver rush, 50 mile race in Leadville exactly one month before. So it was okay. in July. So really I've been doing endurance all summer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so my 50 mile race is the peak. And then since the 50 mile race, I didn't run a ton. I knew it was going to be a really challenging month. So I was very, very busy planning for wild west and, you know, having kids home for the summer. Um, I'd say after the 50 mile race, the longest I ran was probably a 15 or 20 mile run. Um, what is, what, 
what was your training like up into the 50? Like what's a, what's a typical week? Typical week up to the 50. I think I peaked at like 60 miles a week or 70 miles a week. Not a lot. Um, longest runs being marathons up to the 50 mile race. So I never ran anything over a full marathon leading okay. up to the 50, but it's a yeah. lot of, um, for me, it's a lot of wake up early in the morning and run anywhere between six and 10 miles almost yeah. every day. Yeah. And then one long run on the weekends. Okay. And that the long be- run would be between 15 to 26 or somewhere in there. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So not intense. Um, it's kind of the smarter way for, I've found for me to train because I am so active and go, go, go that a 90 to 120 mile week for me would crush me. So I keep it pretty moderate. Um, but yeah, after the 50 from there, it's kind of just a tapering, maintaining fitness. Okay. Uh, so how did your body feel after uh, Everesting kind of getting ready for Leadville? You know, I, I, I wasn't too sore after Everesting. I, the next day I felt like I had done something. I mean, I could tell that I worked hard and I did a lot of climbing. Um, but honestly, my leg strength felt really good. I felt like muscles were super activated. I had gone into 29 or 29 with Achilles issues. Actually, I was getting dry needled and, um, cupped like twice a week because I was having Achilles problems, very worried what that would turn into climbing up 13 ascent. Again, my tribe was very much like, don't know if this is smart. You're going to snap your Achilles, but yeah. um, it, it performed really well during 29 or 29. And then going into Leadville, I f- went for a couple of runs that week, like super short runs. And I felt really activated and I was like, okay, I think that 29 actually helped my muscles. Like I could f- feel my glutes and my quads and yeah. everything firing properly. So I wasn't too sore. I was tired. Yeah. Um, and fatigued. I could tell that I was yeah. hungry yeah. and I couldn't figure out how to eat enough food. I food just wasn't sounding good, not feeling good. I was getting very sick and tired of thinking about eating. Yeah. In my, uh, I was surprised. I was not, I, I did no endurance training building up to, to everything. <laughs> um, other than like a couple of like 30 minute rucks in the morning, but I was, I felt fine. Like my calves were a little sore, yeah. but like not any more than like a, like a big double under workout. Right. But I was tired. Yeah. This is general fatigue. And I think that's kind of the, you know, when the benefit of not doing anything downhill, like there's no eccentrics, all it's all going up, but I was yeah. tired. Yeah. I think that's probably how most, most of us felt just, yeah. just, tired. um, yeah, my energy systems were tapped. I was, I was tired and mentally tired. Yeah. So how'd you feel like getting ready for that? Cause it, the, the Leadville starts Friday. Is that correct? Or Saturday? Saturday. Okay. Yeah. And I, you know, similar to coming out of a big endurance event, I'm also, I've learned the hard way that I also need a couple of days in that environment, especially for a 100 mile race to decompress and be present. I refuse to get there on Friday and go to pack, pack it, pick up and get stuff ready and eat and go to bed. I mean, that's, it's very overwhelming. I, I kind of require the pre-race decompression too. So yeah. I went on, I think I went on Wednesday, um, Wednesday or Thursday morning and took my time. I had to drive a camper. I've become a master at pulling, um, a camper this summer. Um, nice. 
Were you there so, by yourself or and your 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 husband and kids came later or what? Did you just go solo? Yeah. Okay. Um, I who did I so my sister rode with me and my new nephew. Okay. They rode with me and um then my husband and actually I took one of my kids with me. And then my husband took our oldest and met us there the next day. Okay. Um, but yeah, they live out. My sister has a property in Buena Vista. Um, their family does. And so it's beautiful. Like there's a river, um, that runs through it. And so I spent a lot of time just ice in an ice bath river, nice. you know, yeah. um, looking at the mountains, having coffee again, yeah. eating my bags ready. And a few other people that ran, um, Sean actually ran the hundred and then a good friend, Jason. So they, everybody arrived and we all kind of camp on this property and just, hang out, um, enjoy a few beers, eat some yeah. food, um, just try to kind of get the mind and the body ready to go. Very cool. Um, yeah, it, it was really hard. What was interesting. I went to bed that night, Friday night. Um, we kind of do a big spaghetti dinner and final prep of getting the bags ready, getting drop bags, you know, ready for all the different aid stations. So there's a lot of work that goes into it because unlike 29 or 29, you it's an out and back course. You run yeah. out 50 and come back and you have to have your food and your aid and your extra clothes and everything prepared in drop bags that go to all the aid stations. So there's a lot of mental prep going into that, um, to yeah. get all your bags ready. Plus, you know, what do you want your crew to have that whenever we were going to see our crew, what goes in that vehicle, what goes in the finish line vehicle for when you're done. Um, so that's all happening and, and you're making spaghetti dinner and trying to go to bed. But, um, the hard part about this was, I'm also doing this while my kids are there and I'm trying to pay. Yeah. And my mom is there and her boyfriend and they're, they don't understand the physical, the mental, everything. They they're super supportive and awesome, but I'm surrounded by yes. some people that are ultra runners and know this and are doing the event with us, but also a handful that don't. And that was really hard because you're trying to manage people's, their emotions, their questions. My children are, you know, they're, 10 and well, almost 11 and nine yeah. and they're fighting. And I was like, okay, like making mental notes, differences between right now and where I was a week ago, <laughs> I'm like hanging out in a tent with people that are going to do this exact same thing. We're yeah. all on the same page, same mission. No one's fighting. I'm not, you know, parenting. Yeah. So I even recognized a men mentally, emotionally, just going to bed, like feeling more tired. Yeah. <laughs> the week before because yeah. my environment's different and, yep. um, yeah. And it's, and it's hard to sleep the night before too, just because the adrenaline is going and you know, you know, what's coming up next. Yeah. hundred percent. So what was the Leadville like? What was your experience there? It was grueling. Mm -hmm. Um, it was really hard. Um, so hard that when I got back, I had breakfast with a girlfriend and cried the whole time <laughs> talking about that film. Um, I, yeah, so it starts at, starts at 4 a.m. Um, so we had to get up at two, final prep, get dressed, force food down my mouth, which is, it was so annoyed. I was like, I do not want to eat anymore. I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I have no appetite, but I know I have to eat. Um, but my husband drove uh, me and Sean and Jason, um, and my son, my oldest son woke up super, super cutie. Like he's 10 years old and he's up at 2am and mom, what do you need? What can I help with? Um, so they drove us into the start line and 
I can still just, you know, picture it. It's dark, but you, everyone's got their headlamps on yeah. and ends up there with his shotgun last bits of motivation. You know, you listen to the national anthem, everyone's already kind of teary eyed and just so grateful to be there, but we know we've got a long fight ahead of us, you know, you yeah. got 30 hours to get back to this spot and, um, yeah, gun goes off and you start with a big climb, getting out of town, out to turquoise Lake and single track trail from there. And, um, felt good right off the bat, but really mile 15 after the sun came up, started to feel hungry already. And I was like, Oh, this isn't good. I'm not, I shouldn't be this hungry right now. It's we're only 15 miles in. And I just, I made, I had this realization of I'm just tired. I'm exhausted. I I don't have any energy. I feel like I need to eat. I don't want to eat. I don't even have a granola bar with me. I've, I've got like my simple fuel so far. Cause I wasn't planning on being this hungry yet. And right at 15, I could just feel like I'm already, this isn't going to be easy. This is going to be hard. And, um, even Sean was like, Sean and Jason are trying to joke. And I was like, guys, I'm not having it. Like this isn't <laughs> normally at this stage in the race, everyone we're talking, we're meeting new people. We're kind of doing what we did at 29. You know, yeah. you're hi, where are you from? Have you done this before? Yeah. Pretty I was like diminishing in that sense and going up power line. So there's two really big climbs in Leadville um, that you go up and down, up and down, and then you do it again because it's an out and back. And yeah. so the first big climb is power line. And it's, I don't even know how many miles, like four miles straight up a hill. Um, overall, the gain of Leadville is about 16,000 feet that yeah. you, you gain throughout the hundred mile race. And, um, I knew I was in trouble because Nick and Carter, my son, they were going to come and see, see me at mile 20 and they weren't going to bring anything. I didn't really need crew yet. They were just going to try to make it up to, to mile 20 and I get to 20 and I'm like, I'm miserable. And I'm already thinking where on this course am I pulling out today? Today is not my day. I have made really stupid decisions by back to backing all of this. And our good friend Conrad was there and he's like, Hey, Nick and Carter couldn't make it. Um, the shuttles weren't going yet. And I start to cry. <laughs> mm, mm. Like, I just really wanted to see Carter. Like I really needed to see them. I needed that boost of motivation. And Conrad's like, okay, it's mile 20. What's happening. And I'm like, I don't know, man, this is not my day. Sat in the dirt, ate an uncrustable, cried through a little pity party, um, but got up and kept going. And so is the first aid station at 20. Is that uh, the first one was at 12, 12. Okay. Yeah. So this would have been my first time that I could have seen crew. Got Okay. Second yep. aid station I've come to and every aid station, what that looks like is, um, are they about every 10 ish miles? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, about every 10 miles. That's correct. Um, and I know I'm also well in my head. Like I know the terrain, what it looks like. I can like lay it out, you know, through the map of Colorado, like yeah. here's where we're the mileage I'm not good at. And also elevation people ask like how, how steep was power line? I'm like, I don't know. Steep felt yeah. like it felt like climbing up Everest. Yeah. Everesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that was like PTSD too. I was like, Oh, yeah. I just did this, but it was nice. <laughs> not like up and down, up and down it, but yeah. Um, yeah. Every 10 miles what aid station looks like is, you know, you show up and refuel, uh, refilling your bottles with water, my electrolyte drink, shoving more food in your pack emptying the trash and then eating whatever the aid station has. So yeah. my like chips and mashed potatoes and, um, 
Uncrustables. So yeah, so yeah that we, and I made it there. I made it to mile 20 um, at the same time that I had made it to mile 20 last year. And okay. so Conrad kind of told me, you're doing great. You're on track with where you were last year. Last year you finished, um, you know, in 29 hours, you're good. The cutoff is 30. Just keep, keep um, at it. And so Jason and Sean and I reconvened at that aid station and kept going. Um, but the next 10 and the next 20 miles were felt like a death March. Um, the sun came up. It was unusually hot for, um, I mean, way hotter than it was last year. I think someone yeah. said it was 20 hotter this year for the Leadville 100. And we lost a ton of time. I mean, climbing just became grueling. Any of those uphills were just horrible. I didn't feel good. I couldn't eat anything. So we just slowed down big time, but I mean, everybody did. And we, you do a lot more climbing in those next 20 miles. And the next major aid station is twin lakes. And it's kind of the iconic where you get to see your crew two times. Yeah. Um, you have a big climb uphill and then you come down and you see twin and twin lakes is a cute, another cute little uh, trading post town. Um, yeah. it's really there's like three buildings there. Um, but it's adorable. You come into this like main street and there are a couple of, you know, historical houses and, and the trading post convenience store. And the, the street is just lined with families and spectators. And I remember getting close to twin lakes and someone along the course was cheering us on. And I said, you're doing good. You still have 20 minutes until the cutoff. And I was like, wait, 20 minutes. And I had, we'd really, I'd lost track of time. I mean, we were, going as fast as we could go running all the flats and the downhills power hiking up the super hard uphills. And I was like, I can't believe we've lost that much time. And I didn't realize we were this close to cutoffs and came into the aid station, saw my family, which was amazing. So hugs, they're all tearing, you know, the pack apart, getting everything going. My son's like putting anti-chafe on me. My arms are bleeding, <laughs> I'm chafing. Um, it was so hot. I took my shirt off. So now I'm chasing, chafing under my pack too. So yeah. I'm like one kid's like body gliding me. The other kids like putting ice on my head. So mm -hmm. sweet, but I didn't look good. I didn't feel good. And I even told my family, like, I don't know if I've got this in me. And, um, it was a good little boost of like, okay, I can keep going for right now. But you know, and I even told Nick, like, we're getting out close to cutoffs. He's like, yeah, a little bit. So we took off from twin lakes. It was going to be the last time I'd see my mom and, um, my sister, Good to see him. A good little boost though. And then you go through a, a river crossing and, um, that's really fun. Cause you get a cool off. Yeah. Soaked, um, which feels good. But then from there you climb hope pass and hope pass is the, the biggest climb. It's a, it's four miles up. Um, and when you get to the top of hope, um, not before the, before the summit, but kind of at the base, you, they have llamas up there that, that okay. All, they take up all of the aid station stuff and it's just such a welcome site. You enter this field of beautiful flowers and llamas and people working aid stations that are like family. I mean, yeah. it's like a sweet grandma up at the top who just looks at you and knows what you need. You know, they're like, here's mashed potatoes. What else do you want to eat? I'm taking your water. I'm filling it up. And in a very dark place, then Sean, Sean comes in a few minutes later and we're kind of barely speaking. So I'm just, we're so just, this is not fun. We are yeah. on the bus. He didn't feel good. It's hot. Um, no side of Jason turns out Jason dropped out back at twin lakes and we're, I'm just like, this is the death March, man. I don't know if I have it in me. He's like, yeah, I don't think I do either. And 
muster some food down, continue to summit. Um, and it's beautiful, breathtaking views. But the hardest part about getting to that summit is knowing you have to go down it. Mm, and then out, back up it. About five more miles, turn around and then come back up it. Mm, yeah. And when we left, we were told you're getting close to cutoffs. And um, yeah, so I just, I told Sean, like at this point, it's kind of each man their own man. Like there's no more like waiting for each other. Just, I hope to see you at every aid station, but sayonara. Yeah sprint, you know, down, down the backside of Hope Pass as much as I can. There's more terrible climbing, getting out to, to May Queen or to Winfield, which is the turnaround and, um, get to the turnaround at Winfield. It's another cute town. It's like a little ghost town. And as I'm approaching, someone says, you have five minutes until I think 10 minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes, 10 minutes until the aid station closes. And that means you have to get into the aid station, refuel, eat, and get out by 6 p.m. Yeah. And I'm just feeling panicked. I'm like, there's no way I'm gonna make this happen. But I get in, I meet a sweet little girl there, and um, she's helping her mom work the aid station. And I'm teary-eyed because I'm like, I can't do this. I just am so done and no sight of Sean yet. So I'm worried that he's not gonna make it. And I'm quickly doing stuff. And she comes up to me and she says, she like hands me the Uncrustable that I asked her for. And she's like, I'm really inspired by you. You're doing amazing things today. Thank you for being here and working hard. You look really tired, but you can do this. And she's probably, you know, 10 or 11. She looks like my son's age and yeah. crying and like, oh my God, you're so sweet. Thank you so much, darling. Like you've made my day. She's like, but you have to go. Cause they said the cutoff it's closing soon. I was like, I know, I know. So I <laughs> out of there and run into Sean, Sean made it in, doesn't look great. And I'm like, Hey, we've got this. So we, we leave together. And again, just was like, we don't have a lot of time now. We've got to get back to twin lakes. Um, the yeah. cutoff at cutoff at twin is 10 PM. So we've got four hours to climb back up hope pass and go back down. And, um, I did say I'm, I'm cutting it in my mind. I'm cutting it off at Twin Lakes. Like I feel like garbage. I cannot imagine doing all of that all over again. Yeah. Like, I'm halfway and I feel 80% done. Yeah, yeah. And as you're leaving, you know, anyone that's coming past you, especially as you get further away, they're done. Yeah. They're, they're done. Yeah. That, that thought kind of hit me. I've never been this so, so close on and on cutoffs at this race that I've experienced watching people who have that look on their face of, I don't even have a choice to continue anymore. Yeah. Um, I pass a couple of females who had been running with earlier on in the day and they're both crying as they're running because they know they're done. They, they're getting cut off when they get there. And, um, then there's another group of athletes that run level a lot who are all, um, injured veterans, and, um, this one gentleman has prosthetics from the knees down. Mm. He was with us at the start and he passes by me and it was him that I was like, okay, I'm not done. They're done. He's done. They're all getting pulled off of this course. They don't even have the choice to continue anymore. And he's got prosthetics and he's come this far. Like, yeah, fuck up buttercup. Like I'm not done. I, I will continue on until I get pulled from this course if yeah. I, something really, really gets broken or I'm vomiting profusely. Yeah. Uh, I miss a cutoff. That's, that's the only way I'm calling it quits. I'm yeah. 
much pain physically, so much pain mentally. I'm starving. I can't fuel properly, but honestly, it was just those people. And it was like, if I'm not going to do this for myself, I'm going to do it for them because yeah. they've all out here on the course and they have literally left it out here and they're getting pulled. And so from that moment on, I just was like, I'm, I'm fighting through the rest of these cutoffs. And so I really booked it as hard as I could back up hope and sprinted down. And I got into twin lakes, I think again, 10 minutes to spare. And, um, Conrad and Nick even told me that I cut 40 minutes off of my descent down hope pass from yeah. the um, so from the top of hope all the way to twin, I cut 40 minutes off because I was that moving. Yeah. I was moving. I was motivated. I was like, I'm not missing cutoff. So, uh, anyways, picked up our pacers there. It was, um, Nick and Conrad joined us and Sean made it in shortly after I did. And so we had pacers from then on, we continued to chase cutoffs through the night, made the last cutoff at, so back at that first aid station, which ends up being the last aid station, just as the sun came up and again, 10 minutes to spare. Um, the night was grueling, but I'll give it to my husband. He is the hero of the story. He was amazing. He kept me eating throughout the night, kept me yeah. motivated. Um, I kept begging him to close my eyes for five minutes. Like, I, can I just stop and sleep for five minutes? And he's like, nope, you can't because we're going to miss cutoffs. But he you know, handing me food, handing me gels, handing me gummies, telling me it's been 15 minutes, drink more water, but we made it to that last cutoff 10 minutes to spare. And from then we'd had, we had a three more hours or four more hours to get to the finish line. I think yeah. three hours to finish those last 13 miles and, um, came in again, booked it, booked it through the single track trail all the way back into town. That last half marathon was not pleasant at all. Um, but came in and finished two minutes slower than last year. Wow. Um, yeah, so sorry. I know that's a very long description well, with, how, with how much, uh, how much time to spare? Um, like 40 minutes. Okay. So time to spare, but it's interesting because yeah. the cutoffs were so close. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get a lot more leeway after you hit that last aid station. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I wasn't even willing to slow it down. I was in so yeah. much pain. I didn't want to run the last 13, but I did because I was panicked that at any moment, something's going to completely shut down. Like yeah. I will not be able to move like this. So as long as I can continue to run, I'm going to run. Yeah. So, so what, what was the, what was uniquely challenging and different between the two events? What made, what was the, the most challenging part about Everesting? And then what was the most challenging part about, the Leadville. Uh, most challenging with Everesting was choosing to go for another climb up and finding meaning in that climb. Yeah. Like this is dumb. Why can't I just do 10 and just be done with it? Why do I have to get to 13? You know, like, yeah. but making that choice to continue to go and, and make another climb. Um, that was hard because it was just more mental. Like yeah. I've already done this lots of times. I don't want to do it again. Yeah. Um, that was very hard for me mentally. The hardest part about Leadville is you're on your own. Yeah. I mean, you're surrounded by people and motivated by people, but it is a very independent journey of choosing to continue at Everesting. It's easy to easier to continue because you're like, all right, let's go. It's the next one. And, you know, taking turns, motivating each other that way yeah. with people the whole time in Leadville, it is dark. It is lonely. You are in your own mind for 30 hours, fighting your own demons, 
it's just hard. I mean, the climbs are endless and rain is unforgiving and the heat and the sweat and running out of water. And it's, it just was a grueling year. Um, I definitely found less joy out of it this year than I did last year. Um, more, more type two fun for sure. Yeah, yeah, right. On the course, there was not as much like, this is so beautiful and the views are great. Like not even taking a ton of pictures. I was just really on the struggle bus. Yeah. So how do you feel this has changed you? What was your takeaways from maybe each event separately, but also like as a, as a whole? Um, I think I, I recognize how mentally strong I am that my body had nothing and my energy had nothing to give at Leadville, but my mind would not let it quit. And, and I, and I think everyone has that. We all have that within us. We have to find a way to, to get it out. Um, so I think that's the takeaway is like, if I can do that, I can be a business owner. I can be a mom. I can get through all the other things in life that have their ups and their downs and their challenges. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was just, it was so mental and yeah, just that we, we all are capable of those things. And I think it just goes back to like, just the gratitude piece of being able to surround yourself with people who see the value in that. Um, it's also really hard to come home. Leadville's harder to come home from much, much harder because people don't understand what you've gone through and they don't know how hard you had to work for that. They do not understand. And no one can understand that. And I, I can't even understand what it was like for Sean or for Jason or anyone else. It's all a very intimate personal journey. Yeah. It's really, it's just hard to come back. And then, you know, people that know you, yeah, they know you, but there's, there's a new piece inside of you that no one can understand. And that, that was a little isolating. It feels a little, was a little lonely yeah. and I probably felt like that coming home from 29 too is yeah. you can't you can't people would have spent a lot of time with you to really get to know that new little piece that lives in your heart yeah um, and what it took for you to get through that yeah I found it um it it was when people would say well how was it and you're like ah, I just it felt like you couldn't do it service to like explain it's like I I can try my best, but you're just not going to get it. And so trying to have those conversations with people, like you want to talk about it and you want to share it. And you're like, I mean, there was excitement about it, Yeah. but uh, it felt like I I needed to talk to people who knew and like could understand it, you know? So like, um, I guess for yourself, you've uh, like, how do you make that? uh, How do you, how, well, how do you go through that and how do you deal with it? So like, what's your process for dealing with that post-race kind of loneliness or, um, or struggle? Um, so at first it was a lot of sleep. Um, the come down from this was really hard. Um, I, I have a good friend, Stephen Castle, and he's very poetic And I talked to him, you know, that day I was coming home and I was like, man, I am, I'm just on the struggle bus here. And he said, Miss Mandy, it sounds like you're still up on that mountain. Yeah. That's okay. But I need you to go home and you need to find people to hug and love and surround yourself. And 
I'm like, you're right. That's right. I just need to be surrounded by my people um, and share my experiences. And so, I mean, we came home on Monday, which still seems too soon, but got to get back to life. My kids started on Monday. So my husband brought them home Sunday night um, or Sunday afternoon after pacing me all night long, sweet man, like a nap and then loaded the kids in the car and made the four hour trek back home to get them to their first day of school, which I missed. Um, but yeah, drove home on Monday. Definitely. We took our time driving home. Um, I was with my sister and Sean and we stopped and had lunch and a beer. And then we stopped again. Um, and just had to take my time re-entering society. But since then it was, I've never been so tired in my life. I've never been so hungry in my life. Um, I enjoyed food more than I can even explain. I <laughs> can be like, this is so yummy. Cause it's not raw noodles or mashed potatoes or a gummy or gel. Um, I've been waking up in my bed. So grateful for a warm bed. I mean, that sounds yeah. real, but to wake up at 3am or 4am and know I'm not on the mountain anymore. I'm not running. I'm not fighting for energy. Um, and I get to sleep. I've been so grateful. Um, and just to be like, I'm going to go back to sleep. Um, I did, I did have nightmares for the first four nights. Um, that was a little concerning, um, like full on, I would wake up in a panic Yeah, because my legs were very, very sore after Leadville. Um, and I think it was that mind body connection, the legs talking to the brain saying, Oh, you must still be out there on the mountain. And I would, I was having nightmares that I was lost on the course. I was missing cutoffs. Mm. They finally have gone away. Um, but that was a, a bit of an alarming situation. Yeah. But what's helped has been continuing to get sleep. Yeah. Um, I'm a social butterfly. So I've spent a lot of time. I think I've gone out to lunch every single day this week and had lunch with new girlfriends. Um, just, just surrounding myself with my people just to make sure I don't fall into a dark place in the rest to make sure I'm pulling the good out out of all of this and self-isolating I think is important. Yeah. I found that was helpful. I was like, yeah, same thing. I basically had lunch at least three days a week with someone the last three weeks. There's just, yeah, That's it's good to kind of sharing, sharing. Yeah, just share, talk about it. And, or I've had, or I've had phone calls. I said, I reached out to a couple of coaches. It was just, and just, I kind of just talk, talk to them. And that was, that was, this felt good. You know, it felt good to kind of uh, get that time post experience to just process through it. Talk through those takeaways. I mean, for myself, being an extrovert, being a social person, having conversation about it helps me you know what i mean like that's how i i'll just kind of start talking and that's when i'll like kind of oh now i'm and i'll get that conclusion from it you know yes uh, that helps me better than like being isolated yeah yeah it's almost it's just like a therapy session i told yeah. my girl yesterday i'm like thanks for the therapy i can send me a venmo request um <laughs> you know just like breakfast with my girlfriend that day, I just cried and was like, it was just so hard. And, yeah. um, so, I don't know. I think it's important too. And I have written a lot of stuff down. I've tried to also kind of fill in some time with some good things, like, um, some new, new audiobooks, new inspiration, yeah. just, you have to keep that train moving and, and 
not live in this space for too long. It's, it's always like, you know, what's next? What am I going to do next? Um, how do you continue to grow from this? You can't just yeah. let this die. Yeah. Did, um, what, what's your training been like? Are you, have you, have you done anything? You're just like, I'm still recovering. I have gone on one two mile run. Okay. Yeah. So I'm feeling like I'm ready to get back into it. Okay. Um, I just, physically ready mentally yeah Yeah. so i need i need to get back into it i need to um you know start running get back into some strength training now that i've kind of recovered but it's just nice to take a break and to not not do that maybe you know gain a little weight probably isn't a bad idea either right now so yeah yeah what Um, um what 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 this uh what would this catalyze you to, or have you thought about that at all? Like, is there, is there something else on the horizon? Do you have the desire to continue to do the ultras or is it to do something else or kind of what's, what's kind of your future plans? Yeah, I'm going to continue to do ultras. I'm signed up for Leadville next year again. So let's see third time's a charm. I'm hoping for a better experience and to feel more like last year than, than this year. Um, I don't know. It really has probably this whole month has propelled me to continue to seek other life-changing experiences and live outside the comfort zone a little bit. So, um, I want to go do the, um, the race in Georgia. Okay. What's it called again? Uh, the 50 Chris's race race yeah oh the big buffalo big buffalo yeah. um so i put that on our radar to go do that together i signed up for the running man festival oh nice when is that i think it's in late october of this year yeah it's okay simple. very cool i mean you think i i really should know this oh yeah it's mid-october okay i think for that i um am going to an ultra marathon coaching conference in colorado springs at the end of the month and so i think it's just it's reminded me the power, the connection, the love I have for being surrounded by people at these endurance events, Yeah, whether it's Leadville or 29 and just doing different things. Um, also from the business standpoint, I have some new growth and ideas and, and directions mm-hmm. we're going to go from there. Um, so yeah, really excited to just kind yeah. of, just trying to continue, um, continue to just seek new experiences and not live in the mundane. And, um, what would you, so most of the people who are listening to this podcast are not, um, are not endurance athletes. So what would you say to them as a reason why they maybe should consider something like this or just what's the, Maybe it's not running a hundred mile race, but what would you encourage people to do to find an experience like this that does stretch them, that pushes them, that that forces some personal growth? I mean, I think it's I think it's just that. I think it's that you you don't know your limits until you test them. And mm-hmm. you don't know new passions until you give them a chance. And you don't know the power 
of these events until you experience it yourself. You can listen to podcasts and be inspired by people all day long, but until you have your feet exhausted and tired and dying for rest out moving for the longest they've ever moved for, whether it's 30 minutes or 10 hours or 30 hours or 36 hours, you, you don't know what that will do for your life and others' lives until you do it. So just do it. And it doesn't have to be running. Um, like you said, you didn't even train endurance wise and you got up and we spent 36 hours climbing a mountain over and over and over again. And look at how it's changed your life, you know, yeah. and we talked to other people in that journey. Um, it's the same thing. Like I, you know, I put on five K's and I see children and parents and people move for the longest time that they've ever done. And they pr pretty soon they're running our half marathons and then our fulls and then our ultras. Um, and I think it's, you know, remembering who you're surrounding yourself to, um, in this life. And I tell people there is no happier place in the world than the finish line of a race. Yeah. It is, it is like Disney world. Everybody <laughs> is happy and cheering and maybe miserable and crying, but we are all there for this common good. And being surrounded by that alone is, is magical. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think, you know, it goes back to just even kind of on the more networking side of things and personal growth, whatever that might be for you. It's remembering that if you are the most accomplished person in the room, the smartest, the bravest adventurous, whatever it is, you're probably in the wrong room. You should start spending some time in some different rooms. And that's how it feels being out there doing these things is you're elevated. You're, you're lifted up by these people and their stories and they're motivated and um, I, I have so much motivation and love in my heart for the stories just shared on that mountain with you guys that day. And the reasons why that are just helping me in my normal life. I think about Jaden and yeah. about Sydney and Whitney's their, their dads and their story and their reason. And Alvaro, I've been listening to his, his book and he has such an incredible story and grit and what he's come through and persevered through in this life that of, of course I'm signing up for more of those events. Like, yeah. why would I not want to go out? And it goes back to my thought process that I had on that deep, dark night, you know, on that mountain, when I kind of spiraled mentally of, I've met some really cool people here. Yeah. I love that. Manny, thanks for coming on the podcast. I think that was super inspirational and I'm excited to share your story with others. Um, I have one more question for you. All right, go for it. You entered, have you um, signed up for med school yet? Dr. <laughs> David Allen. <laughs> I have not. That would be a bigger, um, that would be a bigger uh, sell to the wife than doing a doing a hundred mile race. <laughs> it's like I either for the next eight years I'm going to be gone. No, <laughs> no doctor. So for the, for anyone who doesn't know the uh, Colleen, the MC for the Everesting event, for whatever reason, decided to call me Doctor David Allen. So I was Doctor David Allen on the course the whole time. And there was at one point where a guy at an aid station goes, Hey, you're a doctor, aren't you? I was like, no, I am not a doctor. <laughs> Whatever you're dealing with, I am not the person you need to talk to. Like talk to, talk to the med, the medical staff. I'm not a doctor. <laughs> I just play one on the mountain. I love it. Hey, well, thank you for having me. Um, I think I'm excited to hopefully see you. Let's go run that 50 mile race. Maybe or something else in the future. Yeah. I was talking to Chris. And I said, uh, I was like, Hey, when is the start time and finish time for this 50K? Okay. He started telling me, well, there's a 50K and there's a 50 miler. Okay. I mean, either one's going to be 
way more than I've ever run. Maybe the the fifty k. I've never done a marathon, so I mean, the fifty k would be my first even marathon. But anyways, I was like, okay, like I, I probably need that. Like I want that. So that's kind of what I'm eyeballing. I love it. Well, let's we'll have another conversation offline. I'm I'm happy to coach you through some of that too. Perfect. I would I would need it for sure. <laughs> Awesome, David. Well, thank you so much for your time and sharing. It's just good to, to share some of these feelings and <laughs> know we're not alone in this, right? 100%. Not alone. All right, Mandy, thanks for coming on the podcast. MBS Fitness Radio. Thank you for listening to MBS Fitness Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, be sure to share it with your friends, follow us on social media, and check out our website at www.nbsfitness.net. Hit the subscribe button and tune in next time for more NBS Fitness Radio.